Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G, here with Tommy Sigmund. We are reeling in episode 99 of the show. That's right, the last one before we hit triple digits. And make sure you come around for episode 100. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing something different. I'll be in the interviewee chair. Stay tuned to figure out who's going to be the interviewer. But without further ado, I want to give a big thanks to our lovely sponsors, Government Taco and Falaya Real Estate. Now, without further ado, Tommy, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I don't know a whole lot about you, which is intriguing (laughs) to me. So I'm going to be asking lots and lots of questions to hear a little bit more about yourself to figure out how in the world at 17, you're able to write a book that becomes a bestseller on Amazon, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So dude, tell me about yourself. Who is Tommy Sigmund? So I'm Tommy. Uh, I wrote the book called The Greatest Advantage when I was 15 years old. 15? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So basically, I'm a foster child um, in the state of Louisiana. And my mom had me, we had a really weird situation. Uh, She had a lot of mental issues. She was bipolar and could be really violent. Uh, And basically, that led to me being kicked out when I was 13. So I went and stayed with my dad. And there's a lot of drug problems, a lot of, you know, a lot of situations I just shouldn't have been involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so long story short, I ended up in the foster care system and I basically just decided like, you know, a lot of times foster kids are perceived as, oh, you know, it's so terrible. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Oh, I feel so bad for you. And I decided, I was like, you know, I have this story. I've gained a lot of knowledge from what I've gone through. I want to turn this around. I want to make this into something. So right. I wrote a book called The Greatest Advantage. Uh, and the premise is how adversity and pain and trials, how you can turn these around to be your greatest advantage, to be the best thing that happened to you. So the book is just the first chapter is about my story. And after that, each chapter is just something I've learned from my foster care experiences. So it's about the importance of gratitude, the importance of work ethic, just the importance of being a leader and being kind to others of not letting your emotions or your trauma or your pain break you down. It's basically just a, a, bill, a book about how to apply it to build you up. So dude, what was, what was that experience like? You know, that is something that I can never imagine yeah. or even relate to. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, if you're okay with no, that. No, you can ask me anything. I'm, okay. I'm an open book. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Uh, so basically, you know, it wasn't, every kid's experience is different. Every kid that goes in the foster care system has a different story, has a different emotion towards their story. Uh, for me personally, I, I'm one of the happiest people I know. Like I, I can genuinely say that, you know, there's no part of me that has this emotional hold to my story or all, you know, I feel so happy every day. I mean, there's one chat part of my book where I talk about just being grateful for the little things. Like I remember when I lived with my dad, we didn't always have like the best food or the cleanest house. Uh, so, you know, the, the opportunity just to make a sandwich was like, you know, a big deal. And now I live in a house where every day I can make a sandwich which doesn't seem like a lot to most people that's always been able to do that. But it's like, man, like there's kids out there like me, like for so long that couldn't make a sandwich. Like, man, life is good. So I'm I'm always happy. You know, I'm always just thankful and just run off of gratitude. Wow, man, dude, that is is truly powerful. So how long are you, what is your situation now? So I just moved foster families uh, about two weeks ago. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad situation. My last foster family, they were amazing. Um, but you know, this other family, basically the son is an entrepreneur. I'm doing online school to focus on writing my next book and entrepreneurship, uh, and what I'm doing now. And so, you know, this, he's also an entrepreneur. He has a lot of similar goals and visions as me. Uh, so I moved into him with him and his family simply for the purpose of, you know, I'm about to be an adult and I want to, 
I want to be able to be with people that are like-minded that have goals similar to mine where we can, you know, build off of each other and bring each other to the same space that we want to go. Uh, so now I'm doing virtual school as a senior and I'm just focused on just working on my next book and getting this one out there and, you know, build it, basically just spreading the message that adversity is a good thing. Yeah, man. So how did you even like begin to write a book? Like I, I know I could not sit down and start, you know, writing out my yeah. thoughts into a book. How did you go about that process? To be honest, a lot of people will like think that writing is like, or, oh, you're an author. So you must have enjoyed writing. You know, no, it was writing is not, <laughs> I mean, especially at 15 <laughs> yeah, too. Like, like that's so what some consider an extremely young age to write a book. Like that's yeah. just incredible. Truly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But you know, it's, it's not a, really exciting experience. Um, but I did know, you know, if I wrote a book, what I really want to do is I want to be able to speak to people. I wanted to be able to do things like this to spread the message. Uh, and I saw the book as an opportunity to do that. Um, if I just reached out to people and, you know, if I didn't have a book, I didn't have anything going. If I was just a foster kid, you know, it's kind of like the book establishes credibility to be able to do these type of things. Um, so I was just really motivated by the idea that the opportunities the book can bring, as well as the book itself, being able to give something to foster kids um, people in general from situations like mine, but writing it itself, I just decided one day I was like, I want to write a book. Um, and then I just, you know, I, I was pretty, I was feeling pretty motivated and I just, just went through it. Like, did you, did you use word? I mean, walk me through like the actual logistics of writing this book. What was that like? So the, the logistics I got on, on word Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just started writing. I used my little school. Um, we had a school word account. I just started using mm. that. And then I realized if you're writing a book, be careful because writing on Word was not the best idea because I had to switch it all over to Google, to Google Docs to be able to format it um, to be a book. And so, yeah, basically just write. I wrote it all on Word. I got some people to come look over it, to edit it, to revise it. Let me know if it doesn't, if it sucks or not. Mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of feedback. Basically had to, once I got the feedback, had to go back in and change or rewrite a lot of things. Uh, and then you, I sent it off to people to format I had, a, I had a lady uh, who's also an author. She wrote a book called The Wall of Crosses. Uh, and I helped, she helped me make the cover and do a lot of it. Um, and then I got found a distributor. So I put it out there. We got on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Walmart, Target, iTunes, pretty much every re retailer out there. Um, and that's pretty much it. Wow, man. So you were able to utilize the connections you had met through what, what kind of, how were you able to meet these people and get to those connections of people who have written books in the past? So I was in a foster family where my foster dad, his sister-in-law uh, was an author and she was really into writing. She was, she was one of those authors that really enjoyed writing and, okay. and being an author. Uh, and she, and she knew her stuff well. Um, and her book was doing pretty well. I think it was, I think it was also selling really well on Amazon um, so that's when I just reached out to her. I was like, Hey, I want to do this. Can you help me? And she was like, you know, and when you're, when you're 15 and you're telling people like, <laughs> hey, I want to write a book. Yeah. They're like, okay, I'm sure you write a book. Yeah. Do you, I'll help you when it's time. Right. And I don't know, I don't know if that's her, if that's what she was thinking or not. But then I was like, all right, my book's almost ready. Like let's, let's get rolling. And she was like, Oh, okay. You're serious. Wow. Uh, so she just, that's when we got rolling. She helped me think of like, she helped me re like revise the name, the name, the cover and everything. So she did a lot. So how were you able to find like a distributor or a publisher? She knew him. Okay. Uh, well, I self-published it. Oh, dude, what yeah. was that like? It, it's really not that hard. Um, how do you self-publish a book? So you like this little barcode yeah. uh, on the back of the yeah, book. The, the, was it the UPCC code or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, you go buy that. You go buy the, the number, the uh, ISBN number. And okay. there's a website that you go buy it on. Um, and then you, then they, you just design the, the cover based on the number. She helped me do a lot of it. 
Um, but in the next few months, I plan on releasing a course for how, how to do it. So yeah, like that, I feel like that's yeah. like the next, the next progressive step is, yeah. Hey, I wrote a book. Here's how you yeah. write a book. If, if, if a 15 year old can do it, you can do it. <laughs> so, so like, but like from the printing to everything, do you have to like find a printer or is there a site that you used? Well, I mean, what were those? I have a distributor that, that like, handled everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, it's out like they, they put it out in the retail stores for me. They, um, they print them out. Like all I have to do is I just have to go order them. They send them to me. Um, they handle a lot of my sales for me. So they, they do a lot and they make it pretty easy. But there, there are things I have learned that's going to be on the course too, that the distributor, like you don't want to rely on the distributor for too much. Um, if you actually want to make money off of your book, you know, yeah. there's, there's a few things you're going to want to learn how to do yourself um, and marketing yourself and platforms. You're going to want to get it on that. They might not necessarily help you get it on. That is going to save you a lot of money. Um, so there's, there's things I've kind of learned going throughout the way. Yeah. Like how to get it on Amazon, so on and so forth. Cause selling on Amazon, I've done in a, in a past life, sold like merchandise on Amazon and getting there on the platform is tedious. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. You've got a lot of hoops you got to go through and it's just all time consuming. I mean, I imagine it's gotta be the same for a book, right? Well, no, the distributor makes it really easy, but the problem is Amazon between Amazon and your distributor, you don't make a lot of money off of your book. I mean, okay. So like you make like two or three dollars per per sale, which isn't which isn't terrible. But if you actually make your own website and you learn to promote it and market yourself, um, then you make like three or four times that. You know, de- depending on the 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 manufacturer prices and all that. But so is that the kind of the route you took in addition to using the distributor was making your own site and everything? Yeah. I wrote the greatest Anybody can go in there, order a book for themselves or, or they can also order a book for a foster kid. So you can go on my website oh, wow. and you can buy a book for yourself and as many as you want for foster children. And I work with nonprofits and social workers where we give the books out for different events. Like we did a Christmas drive and we got like a few hundred books where we gave them all out to foster kids in the parish for Christmas. Um, so, you know, just thinking of ideas on how to get your book out there and how to sell it yourself rather than just relying on the retailers, it makes a world of a difference for sure. Well, and then being true to yourself too, right? So like yeah. you're not going and just giving these books out to anybody on the street or anything. You're, you know, specifically targeting people who are, can relate to yeah. reading the text. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's understanding who the audience is, having written it, you know, Hey, I, I wish there was a book like this, you know, wherever I was in the foster system and, you know, just really thinking to myself, is it bad that I'm here? So on and so forth. And I like, no, now you can read this book and learn about adversity yeah. and everything. And that's how I always thought too. Like I remember when I was going through foster care, I was always like, I wish there was a book that was just like, here's how you do this. Like, here's how you, and not just say like, Oh, have a, have a, here's med- a how to go through yeah, foster. Yeah. How to be a foster kid and, and do it well, you know, like, there's a lot of motivational speakers out there and gurus out there that are like, oh, have a mindset. Nothing can tear you down. Well, this book is like, a, okay, this is how you actually develop your mind through this. This isn't just a, you know, be motivated. This is like a how you transform yourself into that. Yeah. And so did you like make all your website and everything yourself? Like what yeah. tools did you utilize for that? A lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> pretty YouTube much. will, will, will save yeah. anyone and everyone. It's a great resource for sure. You can, you can learn anything on YouTube. Like there's oh every gosh, piece yes. of information out there you can learn through YouTube. Yeah. Like I think I learned how to change a, a car motor out yeah. just from watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Like college, I'm sure college is important. You know, a lot of people, I think that's a good route for a lot of people, but like you can just learn anything off of YouTube. <laughs> I know. So is your plan not, are you, so you're still, so you're 17. Yes, sir. So you're still in high school. Yeah. I'm so are here. you planning to do the college route? Why, why not? I, I'm, I'm in the middle, to be honest. I, okay. like, I think 
for an entrepreneurial standpoint, um, I think for connections and things like that, it would be good. Um, but I really want to be a realtor. Okay. So I'm, th- I'm thinking about, you know, it's like, I almost feel like it'd be better just to go start out my career as a realtor, find a good team and find people that can mentor me to, that are successful realtors that, you know, I can go network with them and I can get them to, to mentor me and teach me. Um, so that's where I'm leaning at the moment. Okay. Um, but I'm not closed off to the idea of college. I'm still pretty open to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a delicate balance from an entrepreneurial standpoint, right? You've yeah. got to balance. Do I go and spend a couple of years learning and getting a degree Yeah. or do I spend those same years building a business? Exactly. You know, but if for some situations you might need the education in order to better build the business, like realtor, you got to take the test. You've got to learn yeah. how to yeah. do that craft. So it's there is lot. that schooling part of becoming a realtor. I mean, what, what kind of has driven you to do the realtor route? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just met, like, I'm really interested in real estate mm-hmm. and I want to be an investor. Like, I want to, you know, I want to be a real estate investor. And I think, I thought being a realtor, in my mind, will help me understand, like, what I want to, like, what I want to buy, what I should be looking for, getting, just having people that, hey, I want to sell my house, you know, to have opportunities coming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in sales. I love selling. I'm, I want to have a job with people. And I don't know, it just, it just made sense. Yeah. Mean? I mean, it's, it's a lot of selling. You gotta, yeah. you gotta sell houses. You also have to be able to go into someone's home and tell them, Hey, yeah, I know you've got an emotional connection to this yeah. home, but Hey, maybe it's, you know, you're ready to sell it. Let's start talking with dealers. Maybe it's not priced as high as you think it is. And you gotta exactly. have those tough conversations with them. Say, look, I know it's your baby and you wanted to pay this much for it, but maybe the next person does not. That's what I've heard a lot. Real, a lot of part of being a realtor is, and also and like if I release books, like my next book, um, I'm trying to find an agent right now that can help me schedule more engagements and more podcasts and radio shows and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, once my next book comes out or even now with this book, you know, I'm able to, to do things like this on podcasts. If I'm like, you know, if, if one of your audience members knows someone, like, hey, like if they just go. know someone that knows someone that's trying to sell a house and they're like, oh, I watch this kid's podcast. You know, he wrote a book. He seems like a nice kid. You know, like I want to do business with him you know, then I th- that could definitely grow my funnel or my, like that. I can get it. If I got a commission off of a house um, for someone that knows someone for watching your podcast and that can make a big, a big difference, you know? Absolutely. Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Kind of. So I'm going to be, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I just had the first like introduction episode. We're feeling it out right now. It's not for certain, but we're trying it. Uh, there's a podcast called the Livingston Thread Yep. with uh, Brandon Browning. And I'm about to be a co-host on his show. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. And yeah. he's in a, I believe he's in a real estate too, right? Yeah. He's a realtor himself. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the plan right now. I hope the introduction video comes out before, <laughs> before this podcast. <laughs> this just in spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. So if, if not, then I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Brandon. <laughs> so doing podcasts and going around promoting your book has kind of been a way to get your name out there and also yeah. to get your experience out there for like, for like situationed individuals, but I also know you do some public speaking as well. Yeah, I do. So what, what is, what has that been like doing some public speaking? Uh, my last, I spoke, I spoke for a, a co- the commerce committee in Congress. I was mm-hmm. my last engagement. Um, sometimes I go to schools I go to different organizations. Uh, pretty much just, you know, typically like if a school or an organization puts my book into their program, uh, I'll offer or they'll reach out for me to come and to speak. Uh, or recently I spoke for this committee in Congress, basically advocating for laws for foster children. Uh, I'm part of a state, a state board called the LEAF Board, which okay. is the Louisiana Elite Advocacy Force. 
and we just advocate for foster kids and for unprivileged kids and for laws that, you know, if someone has a foster kid and they're like, this law is ridiculous, so why is it like this? Or, hey, we need a law for this. Then they can reach out to me or somebody else on the board and we go advocate uh, in front of the, the legislation to be able to do that. So that's the last thing I did. And we were advocating for laws. Um, like it was, a, it was a few of us. We were advocating for laws about kids being forced back with their parents or for kids not having access to extracurricular activities and things like that. Um, but that's what I really enjoy doing. Like I enjoy doing stuff like this uh, and going out and doing speaking engagements because you can, you can share your story and people can get to know you. And then you can go have those in-person, face-to-face like engagements and conversations. Right. And that's what I really enjoy, especially for schools and talking to the students. That's my, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, you're able to get that that instant feedback from the students when you're sharing their story and you see some people like, oh my gosh, yes, like I can yeah. relate to that. You know, yeah. I understand what you're going through. Or you get the other faces of people like myself where it's like, I can't really relate to that, but I'm intrigued by the story. You yeah. Know? Like I, I can see what you're going through externally and it's like, okay, like you've, you've got a story to tell. Yeah, typically how it goes. You know, that's like you never know who you're going to meet. You might meet a kid that says, dude, I've walked in your shoes. Like, that's where I'm at right now. So, mm-hmm. Or you can have a kid that, that never had any of that. And, right. And they just like, man, like, you know, I should be more grateful for how good of a life I've had. 100%. So, like, you know, even you, if anything, it's just an appreciation for what you have in your life. It's yeah. so important. You know, not just taking for granted, like you said, the ability to make a sandwich. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the little things, being able to appreciate them, regardless of what state you're in in life and regardless of your economical status. It's like, hey, look, Appreciate the little things. Exactly. You know? That's that's why this book is so big to me because it doesn't matter what's it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what state of life you're in. Like you can take something from this book. Like if you're in that state where you're like, we're going through it, then this book can help you. This book can, can guide you through that. Or if you're in that state where you where you have no idea what that's even like at all, or you've never experienced that, you can like you said, you can take something out of it. You know, like this book just basically puts things into perspective. Like if you're unhappy, if you're miserable with your life. It just puts in perspective like, hey, there's a lot out there that you could be dealing with that I'm not saying from like from my experiences, like I, I feel like I had a pretty great life, especially hearing the other kids in foster care, you know, but it just puts in perspective like there's millions or billions of people out there that are starving. Like mm-hmm. there's so much that we have that we just don't even think about. And that's basically what this book is like is this premise about. So what what in the book do you think sticks with people when they read it? on that message typically the gratitude thing because that's something that everyone takes away from because and like we all can be more grateful because we're like we're not grateful for things that we don't even think about um like like this shirt i put this shirt on and i was just like all right i'm just gonna throw the shirt on and go but there's people out there that are like like when i like when i was in middle school or when i used to not have as much money and there's billions of people out there in the situation now that wish they could just have a nice shirt to throw on or even like like my shoes or anything. Like we just take so much for granted. We have so much that we just don't think about. And that's pretty much what this book is like. The, the goal is for you to realize like, like I got braces and I never had as much appreciation for my mouth <laughs> once I got my braces off. And I've never thought, man, I'm really grateful for my mouth. Like right. there's just so much to be grateful for that we just don't think about. Well, it's, it's taking the time out of your day to recognize what's in front of you, right? Yeah. You know, we get caught up from time to time with doing the actions, with going forward and accomplishing whatever task we're trying to accomplish. We fail to take that step back and realize, okay, I'm blessed and highly favored to actually be working on this task. Yeah. Like to have the ability to sit here, whether it be in an office or out in a field or out in the fresh air, whatever it is, you have the ability and the luxury of doing that task, of accomplishing whatever it is you're working on. 
that we don't stop and say, wow, you know, that's pretty good. Exactly. You know, and we got it pretty good. We're, we're, we're not getting rained on right now, even though it's storming outside. You know, yeah. it's just little things like that to be appreciative of just within your everyday life. Exactly. We have a roof, right? It's raining right now. We have a roof right now. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people out there that it's raining and they're probably sitting out there in the cold. And we get so wrapped up in this idea of our own life, our own thoughts, what's happening to us that we don't like we never think about things like that. Like, yeah. like that we're sitting here right now in this room that feels like a really good temperature and this awesome studio. And there's people out there that wish that they had a house. Like, and people like in our cities, like there's people that are homeless that are like, are wishing they they have a family to take care of them or a house to live under. And there's just, there's just so much out there that we just don't put in perspective. Like I catch myself getting mad or upset about something. And then once you really put it into perspective, typically it's like the most dumb thing you could get mad about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like somebody cutting you off in traffic. <laughs> yeah, like people get so people that someone cut them off in traffic ruin their whole day. Yeah, when there's billions of people out there that if, if they had their life and someone cut them off in traffic, they wouldn't even notice because they're like, "Wow, I never even dreamed of this life." Like, and that's just how I, how I try to keep my mind every day. Just just keep consistently grateful because I feel like that's just the center of, of of just happiness because it doesn't actually matter the stage of your life itself that determines the quality of your life. It just determines your attitude. Cause there's yeah. people, there's people out there that have everything or people that are out there that are married, that feel lonely, that are miserable, that out there that have everything that feel like they have nothing. There's people out there that have extremely very little and are so happy. Cause it's not actually about what we have. It's just about where our attitude is towards it. Yeah, hundred percent. Every, you have a lot of people that will say, Oh, more money will solve all my problems. Yeah. Like, no, there, there, there's some other underlying problems that they're not going to solve. You know, they yeah. may, they may pay that bill that's keeping you up at night but they're not going to solve the next problem that arises and the next problem that arises. Yeah. And it's, you know, we think when we have something we don't have, we'll be happier. Yeah. That we fail to take the time to really be happy with what we already have in our possession. Exactly. You know, it's just, it, and it blows my mind. Like you said, hearing people say, Oh, if only I had this, if only I had that, then I'd be truly happy, have a great life and be wonderful. And it's like, well, maybe if that's not actually going to come to fruition, you should start to explore that mental headspace of, how can I be happy in what I have now? How can yeah. I be happy in my own life right in this moment? How can I be happy? If you can be happy when you have nothing, then nothing nothing is going to break you down. Like, oh, 100%. If you can still find a way, like, like I'm, a, I'm a big believer in Christ and I'm a pretty big, I'm a Christian. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a story of Job where this guy just loses, like his family dies, his everything he has is just gone. And he never loses his joy and his faith and he just stays so firm and I'm just like, man, if I could be like less like me and more like that guy, like imagine where my life would be, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And just, I don't know, just, just the idea of like, if, if everything bad thing that happens to you, you find a way to grow from to up to, to just be a better version of yourself from that, then nothing in life's going to stop you. Like, that's what people always ask me. They're like, are you so sad about your family situation, your parents, or does that ever like, does that ever tear you down? I'm like, no, like, cause like. I'm not going to just sit around and focus and mope about, oh, here's my situation with my parents from when I was younger and not take into the fact that I have great friends. I have great people around me now. I have a ton of support. I'm able, I'm able to be 17 on your podcast right now promoting my book. Like I have so much to be grateful for that I feel like it would just be a waste of time and silly for me to just sit around and be like, oh man, that's that's so upsetting. And do you find that to be like a key to your driving factor for wanting to write that next book is the focusing on the good rather yeah. than mellowing in the bad. I have a, I have a chapter in there or, or this might not be a chapter, but this is like a section in there. It talks about if you're really, really, really just like 
unmotivated and like you you have like no drive no desire i feel like that that comes into play a lot with a lack of gratitude because if you're really grateful for all you have like you want to use that like you want to you want to build you want to give that to others you want to share and when you're just sitting around you're like man i don't want to i don't want to go do anything i want to just sit around like i'm not like i know a lot of teenagers and people my age tend to get into the trap of you know i just want to be comfortable i want to go sit in my room and play video games mm-hmm. i don't care um and I think that comes to a, lot, a lack of gratitude because when you're grateful, you're like, I have all these amazing things around me. I have all these amazing opportunities around me. I want to take advantage of these things. I want to share these things. I want to bless others with these things. So I think when you're really, when you're grateful, like I think it should drive anybody. Yeah. I mean, cause you're really going against the grain here with your age group, Yeah, right? Your whole age group is probably like, Hey, let's go hang out. Let's go play video games. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's just chill and be kids. And you're yeah. over here like, Hey, I'm grinding. Like I got one book out, bestseller, right? Yeah. Bestseller. Now I'm working on my second book, working on a course. Like you are going against the grain by saying, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to do something different. I want to do something abnormal. And you're just trying to push forward past all what your peers are doing. I think it's really incredible. Well, I appreciate it. I'm trying. So like, what, what do your friends think of it? I mean, are they supportive or do you, do you surround yourselves with like-minded individuals? I would, I would hope, or do you have some friends that kind of be like, Hey, Tommy, look, Tommy, let's just, let's just take the weekend off, man. Let's go have some fun. No, I'm very blessed with a great friend group. Like I have guys from like the guy I just moved in with. One reason why I wanted to move into him is because he thinks, he thinks so similar to me that I'm like, if we can build off each other and we can like uplift each other and, and keep each other accountable to be motivated, then there's no telling where we can go. Uh, so I have a group of friends that also, mostly now that I'm in virtual school, I, most of my friends are young entrepreneurs that also do virtual school. So now they all think like, okay, school was a waste of time. I want to go make money. I want to get my life together. I'm doing virtual school and I'm going to start getting my, my life together. I so I, I have a, I have a good group and I can't, I, that's a, like, even when I wrote that book, I, you know, I've always had good friends around me, but I've never had friends around me. That's really motivated me. That's made me want to have, you know, get my stuff together. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for a good group for sure. And I always hear, you know, parents or teachers or people telling kids or teenagers, like you're 16, you're 17, you're 15, like you're 18, like, like slow your roll, you know, but <laughs> you're in, too young to do this. Yeah. But in reality, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense because you can either work hard now and have the rest of your life to enjoy, to, to be comfortable basically to, or just to live life on your own terms and your own standards, or you can be comfortable now, do what you want now and spend the rest of your life working and trying to be in that race of paying the bills, supporting the family. I'm like, it just makes more practical sense Dude, to start to start now. Like, why why wait? Why wait until you have to and then you get caught in that trap of trying to make the ends meet? Like, start if, if you have dreams or you have something you want to do, start now while you have the least amount of responsibility and the least things you have to tend to to just work on whatever you want to do. Like, if you want to be a singer, a writer, whatever, just start now. It, it's, now is the time when it makes the most sense. Because when you have a family and when you have children that's waiting for food at the table, mm-hmm. it's not going to be very practical to go after that dream you wanted when you were 16. Dude, 100%. You will have, right now is the time in your life where you have the fewest responsibilities that yeah. you're ever going to have in your life. Exactly. Like, that's just, that's where you're at in your life. And I was the same way, you know, growing up. Same way in the part of being an entrepreneur and trying to do other things and not always just hanging out with friends on the afternoons, trying to chase what can I do? What dream can I go after? What can I build to make not only myself successful, but make something in and of itself successful? And it is it is a different grain to go against. I mean, it's a different breed. It's a different mentality. You've got a growth mentality. You've got a learning. You've got an eagerness. You've got 
ability to create something mm-hmm. outside of just establishing friendships and hanging out on the weekends. Yeah. And one, one thing I always hear too, I've always hear, always hear parents and teachers and friends, the thing they always are like, hey, don't forget to be, a, don't forget to have fun. Don't forget to enjoy yourself, which is too, which is true. Like, you know, right. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go just burn myself out and just keep on going working like relentlessly. But the, the reason why I have a problem with that is because people think of, okay, the break or enjoyment or go have fun before they're thinking of the work. People aren't thinking of, hey, make sure you get your goals done. Make sure you keep it like, people are always thinking of, okay, here's here's where you stop and slow down. Like you shouldn't be thinking of, of quitting or the end or the break before you're thinking of, okay, let me get this done. Right. And that's that's the problem. That's what that's what that's problem with teenagers. People are like, oh, I've worked so hard. Like, let me go take a break and have fun. That's the problem with parents. Like, hey, you're a kid. Don't forget to be a kid. Like, you, like if you like, I'm not going to just keep, I'm not going to be tired of working and hate working and just do it and just like be miserable. Like I'm still going to be a teenager. I'm still going to enjoy my life, but people are just always thinking of quitting before they even think of starting. And I think that's oh, yeah. why a lot of people don't do things like this. No, a hundred percent. You nailed it, you know, right on the head. It's mm-hmm. that mentality of, uh, I've worked enough for today. Let me take a yeah. break, you know, and rather than enjoying the process and not getting, not being able to get enough of that process. Yeah. You know, loving the process over profit is huge. It's like, Hey, I love what I'm doing and I love being able to create, write books, write courses, et cetera. Now there does come a point in time when you do have to pay attention to that bottom line and you do have to run the business and be like, Hey, we got to make some decisions here. But from a perspective of an eager entrepreneur, it's, Hey, if you love the process, don't let anybody tell you, Hey, maybe you should slow down. Exactly. You know, it's get out there day in and day out, grind and do what you can to build your business, build what it is, whatever you're after and just keep chasing it. Yeah. And people will just get caught in this, in this mentality of they're chasing after the break. They're chasing after the weekend rather than they're chasing after their goals or the result. Like when I was writing this book, I was not in my, in my room sitting there thinking, Man, I cannot wait to take a break. Like <laughs> that's Friday at three thirty, four o'clock. The pencil drops, and yeah. I'm off to the weekend. <laughs> like successful people don't do that. Entrepreneurs yeah. don't do that. Um, I mean, maybe once like you get to the point where you know you can live on your own terms, and, and they choose to do that. But people that are in the process of becoming successful don't say, "Okay, it's Saturday. Thank goodness, I'm I'm done. I'm going home." Like, like you have like you have things to do. I was when I was writing this book the whole time. I was in my room thinking. I cannot wait for the opportunities. I can't wait for the people I'm going to help. I can't wait for the people I'm going to aspire for the opportunities it's going to bring. I was not sitting there thinking, I cannot wait till Friday at five o'clock when I can stop. Right. And that's where people just get in that, the, oh, the rat race of, I can't wait till this weekend. And that's why they don't accomplish, like they don't accomplish things they want to accomplish because they're just thinking of, oh, my next break, my next, uh, when I get to quit, you know? Yeah, they're, they're looking for that, that end point yeah. in the immediate future. They're not looking like you said, you know, Putting in the work now gives you the ability to live the life you want later on down the road. Yeah. I mean, just from a compounding factor of starting something at the age of 17 or 15 and, you know, just from an investing standpoint too, putting that money in, having it compound over 30, 40 years, guess what? You're 57, you know, in 40 years, you're 57. Like that's still so much more time is left here that you have. It's like, look, why not put in the work on the upfront to -hmm. then be able to take the leisure out in the end? as opposed to just doing the steady rate for a longer period of time. And even then, maybe not even able to enjoy the life you want. You know, you can work so hard for someone for 30, 40 years. And then you're like, oh, I'm here. But 
it's still the same life that I started off with. Now I just don't have to work as much. Yeah, exactly. Or instead of saying, hey, look, I'm going to grind, you know, 24-7 for as long as I can in my 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 teens, my 20s, my 30s. And then when I start reaching that end of the end of the age, you're like, all right, now I'm, you know, in the 40s and 50s. Now I can start pumping the brakes back maybe a little bit. Yeah. But then what I imagine you'll come to find out, you know, if and when you want to start a family, you'll have that balancing act. You know, like I've got a kid coming to November. It's like, all right, I've got to find a balancing act here. Yeah. Now. Like I can't just grind 24 seven because now there's another mouth to feed. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Now I have to figure out a way to keep doing what I want to do, keep pursuing my dreams, but still at the same time, allowing that family time, allowing that downtime. And it's just a matter of being active and engaging in the time you spend with your loved ones mm-hmm. is like, I'm here, I'm present. I'm all you. Yeah. But when I'm not here, I'm running and gunning like crazy. That's why people my age, you know, if I don't have a kid, you know, I don't have a wife. <laughs> I'm 17. That's why people my age, it's like, go for it. Like, 100%. You know, because people my age, they don't, they don't want to, like, they don't have to go spend time with the kids or with the wife. Like, you know, you want to spend time with your family, obviously, but they're working too. They have goals too. Right. Um, But just right now, like, just get going. Because kids my age, they want to stop to go play video games or I even get called this to go scroll on TikTok for two hours and TikTok will it, suck you in. It will it suck you in for hours. It's, it's a portal. Like you get in there and you're trapped. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. And it's as, as a kid, you've got to realize how much time you have and how you're in a position to chase after and give everything a shot, try a hundred different things <laughs> and fail at all of them completely disastrously, yeah. miserably. <laughs> And still be able to get back up and realize, oh, I'm not even 20 yet. Like, I don't, I don't even like saying this because most of my followers are on TikTok. But if half of my followers deleted TikTok and stopped TikTok and stopped watching or scrolling through videos, even watching my videos, and they just delete the app and use that time to work on their book, they probably have a book out in like three months. Yeah. Like, it just, right now, you just don't need to be wasting time. You know, that's the whole mentality is waste time, enjoy being young, do what you want, figure it out later. It's like... Like you don't have to have it all figured out right now, but at least it, you don't have to know which direction you're moving, but move somewhere. Don't just sit there and just wait. Right. At least start formulating a game plan. Yeah. You know, at least start building onto something like you like with the first book, you've now got a platform that yeah. you can leverage with your book. Yeah. You know, from there, you can create a course on how to write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you're coming out with a second book. What is the second book going to be a follow up to this? Like a where am I now? Or what's that second book going to look like? I, this book is more for people that are hurting and are going through adversity or just need more perspective or not everyone could use more perspective. This, this book is basically for that. But this next book is going to be geared specifically towards teenagers. I want to write a book toward towards teenagers while I am a teenager and I'm credible enough to, <laughs> to publish you're that. Still, you're, you're still in the mix of things. Yeah, I don't want to be in my 30s and then write a book for teenagers because I'll be like, why is this 30-year-old? Right, of, right. So I want to use my youth while I can to write a book for teenagers specifically, basically about just how to be leaders in their school, how to stand out, um, you know, how to evangelize at their school, you know, bring basically spread the gospel at their school, um, basically just make a, make a strong impact rather than just be there. And that's pretty much what that book is mainly geared towards. And also just for young entrepreneurs about things like, okay, you know, now that you're this age, we shouldn't, you know, we should have an income, you know, we don't want to ask our parents for $20 every time we go somewhere. So this book's hot. The next book is going to be going into things about, okay, is it the most practical to go work at Taco Bell 
or it's most practical to get experience and start your own business. And here's how you kind of do that. And you start leveraging the market. The school system is a market if you, if you use it. So yeah. um, basically on how to use that to make money, to get business experience while you're young. Um, so just kind of put school into a different perspective because I'm personally not, not do virtual. Like I'm not the biggest fan of school, um, especially as an entrepreneur. I'm like, this is silly. I don't need to learn the science. I'm never going to apply. Like I'm never, <laughs> like I'm never going to use the quadratic formula for my business. At least, you know, maybe that's just my youth talking, but this book talks about how to see school as a market, as an opportunity and how to use that. Well, not this book, the, point yeah, the, the second, the book, second yeah, book right. that's, that'll be out. Yeah. I mean, and still having all of that as a basic understanding a basic foundation of it in education and knowledge can still be important and play a yeah. role. But like you said, you know, going on, maybe college isn't for everyone. Exactly. It's a true fact. It's not for everyone. Some people will thrive in that environment. I've known lots of them. Some people will not. I've known lots of them. Yeah. It's a matter of finding what you're good at and pursuing it and moving forward. Like my, my next book is not all going to be saying kids don't go to college because college is important for a lot of people, especially if you want to be something that requires a degree, like you need to go to college, obviously. Or even if you have free college, if your college is paid for and you don't know what you want to do, then, you know, go and make some experiences and learn. The next book is really for teenagers who's really like are more entrepreneurial minded. Um, and not even say don't go to college, but just, hey, you're in school. Here's the season you're in right now. And here's how to leverage this. Have you started like a mentorship program yet? That's what I've been working on. That's Okay. That's that's the next thing. I wanted I want to do a mentorship program for teenagers, specifically for teenage entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, give them a, an ability to say, "Hey, this is what I did growing up. This is where I'm at now." Yeah, and you're still able to relate to them, right? You yeah, know, having having someone come in who's thirty or forty may not be the best relatable individual to kids as teenagers. You know, it's they need someone who's a peer to them, not a you know an adult or someone of a different degree than they are. It's like, okay, I need yeah. someone to speak to me on my terms, speak plainly to me and don't speak to me like I'm 15. You exactly. Know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's, that's the plan. That's the next goal. The next goal. Oh, I like it, man. I like thank, it. There's, thank a, you. there's a lot being done. There's a lot in the works. So going, going through this process, have you been able to, you know, has it brought up, you know, emotional situations? Have you found yourself, you know, kind of going down a dark path or has it all just been, look, this is my experience this is who I am. I'm owning it. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been, there's been times in my life where, you know, I, I was making the best decisions and especially in a as a foster kid, um, I've always, I think that kind of developed, uh, you know, I have authority problems now and I like things that I, I've, I've acknowledged and I had to realize from a younger age and start working towards. Um, so there's been, it hasn't all been a perfect process for sure. Um, but I think it's definitely been a process that's been worth it and very growing uh, and very eye-opening. So it's it's had its ups and downs, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it just has given you an insurmountable amount of just self-awareness of yeah. what kind of a person you are, what yeah. you respond to. Yeah, especially like when you go through these different houses and you realize like every family is so much different and you move in with one family and you get a, pers you get a, a perspective of... Because teenagers or people in general that grew up with their family their whole life, like... That's all they know up to that age is, okay, this is my family, so we do it. But every family is so much different. Like, I've realized, like, things that you would never even consider, you would never consider about foster care end up playing a big factor into your life. For example, I've moved in houses where it was always really, really, really cold. 
and the mm-hmm. temp- the AC was always blasted, and I was always wearing like hoodies and jackets, and your skin gets until your body gets used to that, right? And then you're just you know now it's always hot outside because it's always cold in your house, <laughs> and you get used to it. And then another family where it's always 80, and they don't believe in the air, keeping the air on because of the electricity, so it's always really really hot, and you're just gonna have to adapt to that. And there's just a lot of like weird things as a foster kid that just plays into giving you perspective. So I think it's definitely given me a like a more self-aware and well-rounded head on my shoulders because of that. Oh, 100%. And so going through the system and moving houses mm-hmm. and also being on an advocacy board, how have you seen the effectiveness of the system play out? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's there's there's a they they do a, they really do what they can. I mean, there there's a system that is just so overcrowded. They have social workers that are underpaid, under-respected, that do so much work, that have so much load, like such a big load on them. Like I have a social worker that had to meet the needs of like 20 or 14 kids, you know, and she's one woman dealing with about 20 children that are having emotional trauma building experiences all around them. Right. Um, so they're just, they're really doing the best that they can. I wish more people really talked about the importance of fostering and taking in kids um, like you see all these, like I'm not trying to get super com- political or controversial on your podcast, right? Um, but you see a lot of these like rallies and advocacy boards for like you know like pro life and things like that, especially like with the Christian community that you know it's, I really support. But if you if every church in America, if every church in America took in a foster kid, then the foster care system would be like wiped out clean, like it wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem anymore. And the problem is a lot of people want to advocate for these things and want to people don't actually want to take the time to bring a kid into their house and to give up that much. But if everyone did that, then the foster care system could be, wouldn't, would, that's the problem. It's just too overcrowded right now. Yeah. But I think that they do the best they can with the amount of resources that they have. Right, right. And it's, you know, you're seeing that firsthand and everything, so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, there's a lot of stories. <laughs> I'm sure. That you meet with them and you meet kids and you, you hear a lot of horror stories, but oh, they, yeah. the system really does, you know, do the best they can. They're just, they're just so they're so overwhelmed with how much is on them. Right. So, what are your kind of aspirations moving forward? You know, you got the second book, you got the course, but what else outside of you know being a realtor? What are like your dreams and your goals that you're trying to accomplish in the business world? Oh, in the business world, yeah. Hmm. I really just want to be just in a real estate investor. Okay. Uh, that's uh, my goal is to make enough money to invest in real estate have mentors, have people that are a lot smarter than me, a lot more successful than me to show me, here's what, here's what I would do. Here's what you should do with that money. Um, and pretty much I want to just start like my brand now, the Grace Advantage, like the brand is just about in, influencing people um, or encouraging people and just motivating people. And I want to just continue to do things like that. Like with, I want to have a mentorship program where I sit, where we motivate, where we mentor kids and we teach them about, okay, here's personal one-on-one experience with how you grow, how you establish a business, or just how whatever you want to do, even if the kid's not an entrepreneur, even if the kid just wants to go be a, a PE coach or a PE teacher. Okay, well, let's help you be the most successful PE teacher that we can. Um, I want to just keep on continuously doing what I can to help kids or help people that just come from unfortunate circumstances or have just made bad decisions yeah. and help them get their life back on track. And I think that's something that I'm really passionate about. So I don't, I don't know exactly what direction I'll take with that yet, but I know that's the path I'm, I want to head towards for sure. Dude, I love that, man. You've got within TikTok, it provides a great platform yeah. to continue to achieve and accomplish those goals. Yeah, TikTok's awesome. Uh, <laughs> TikTok's from, awesome. A creator, from a creator yeah. standpoint. From a creator standpoint. From a consumer standpoint, you're going to lose a lot of time. It's a waste of time. time. 
<laughs> I love the creators are attacking the consumers. <laughs> yeah, like I've like I've probably people probably be like why why would you say that? I mean it's just it's just to be honest though like it is what it is. There's no point if if you're not gonna be a creator. There's there's really no point of having it. Just, and then you can always you know say hey look consume to a point. Yeah. Once you consume yeah. enough, get off, delete it, and go out and you know. <laughs> Do something within the world. If you're gonna go on TikTok, if you're gonna go on TikTok, like maybe like set an alarm on your phone for 20 minutes, and then there you go. Then you know, like, hey, okay, my alarm went off. I'm gonna stay in this portal, or if I don't, if I don't get off my phone, I've never done that, but it's just a good idea. <laughs> hey, that, Luke, I like the idea, man. I yeah. like the idea. So, starting to kind of wind down the show, we have a set list of questions we normally ask people. I'm gonna have to tailor them a little bit because. Okay. One of them is, what is something you love doing as a kid? Although, if there is something you love doing as a kid, you wish you could still do today. Probably sports. Now I do okay. virtual school. Like, I love sports. I love track, cross country, soccer, play tennis. And, I just, like, now that I do virtual school, like, I'm doing virtual school to really do this stuff more. Um, but take advantage of sports where you can if you're a teenager or so you're young. You should, like, find some intramural sports for, like, people that aren't in school that want to play outside of school. Yeah. And then start making those in, like, business meetings. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a really Bring good idea. Bring somebody say, hey, man, let's go play tennis and let's talk business. That's a really good idea. Or, hey, let's go kick a soccer ball around at you know, Independence Park or something. Let's, let's talk business. Yeah, I like that. Take your sports and turn them into meetings. That's a good idea. I mean, hey, that's what golf's there for. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. I, I, need to get, I need to invest in some golf skills. There you go. I, I, knew, I knew I wanted to get good at tennis or golf because I figured like business meetings would go either way and tennis – Tennis is a lot of fun, but golf would definitely be a, a good investment. Yeah, I mean, if you're already playing tennis, hey, like next time you got a meeting with somebody, be like, hey, man, just meet me on the courts and we'll play some tennis and we'll yeah. chat. If I win, you have to do business with me. <laughs> That's a game. Now we're gambling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm here for it. Yeah. So what, um, what are three lessons you've kind of learned along the way throughout? It could be from writing your book, from your experience in the foster care system, mm-hmm. just kind of three lessons you've gathered thus far. Three lessons to probably always just find something to be grateful for. You know, there's always something to focus on and be grateful for. Even when it seems like there's nothing, there's always something that you have. You're just not acknowledging usually that other people wish that they had or it could be in your situation for. So to always be grateful, just from points of attitude. The second would probably be just, just to stand out and be different. Like just because everyone's going this conventional path, whether that's school or family or whatever that is, you know, don't let everyone else's path define your path, especially especially for my teenagers watching this. Um, you know, it's okay to take a non-conventional path, to do virtual school, to start your career younger, to start a family younger, whatever that may look like. Uh, my third, probably just to be kind to people. I think I think kindness is really important. I think, like, I'm, I'm a teenager in my books. Like, you know, usually things I say are t- geared towards teenagers. But especially, like, for high schoolers, you never know. That kid that you're being mean to, you know, really could be your boss in, like, 10, 15 years. <laughs> he could know? be. But just just be kind to people and just be, you know, a person that people enjoy being around because you just uplift others, not someone that's always, you know, tearing down others or making jokes to put down others. Like, just be someone that people enjoy being around because of how you make them feel. I love that, man. So you live – Are you? do you live in Baton Rouge or are you around the area? I'm around the area. I'm from Denham. Okay, so – what do you love about this area around Baton Rouge, Denham, and all that? The the people for sure. I've so I've lived in about twenty houses in about like six or six states. So I, I've traveled a good bit and lived a lot of places. Uh, but I think the people, it's it's just a great environment, great school district, a lot of that southern hospitality mm-hmm. over here for sure. Uh, so that's probably my favorite part. It's just the people I'm around. The, the people can make or break a community. Yeah, it, it really will. Yeah, man. So what is something I can do to help? 
Um, I think just encouraging people to buy a book for themselves or for a foster kid. Um, and we're always looking for, I'm sure you might have some business owners that watch your show. We're always looking for business owners to come in and help me to different events. We're looking for sponsors all the time. Um, so if any business owners want to get involved or Hey, if anyone out there is either an is either an agent that would be willing to work with me to help me book more things or just someone that says, Hey, I hear this good story here. What he wants to do. I'm someone that considers myself as having already accomplished this path. that would be interested in teaching me and mentoring me. You know, I'd always appreciate that. So just, if you know anyone, just let, send them my way. You got it, man. Well, thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you reaching out and kind of initiating this whole thing and making it happen, man. Thank, thank you, you so much. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys let me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I, I want to thank everybody else for tuning in, whether it is through the podcast version or it is through the web version. I'm really appreciative of it, as well as the guests. Y'all make this show be what it is. And also a big thanks to our two lovely sponsors, Falaya Real Estate, a local Baton Rouge-born-based application to help you sell your home, make things so much easier, and just streamline the entire process. Call Barrett up at Falaya and tell him Patty G sent you. And also Government Taco, our lovely sponsor. They have specialty tacos each and every month that vary depending on the month. They get new tacos going out there every single month. September, they got a brand new one. Mondays are Margarita Mondays and Thursdays, happy hour all day long. And if you're around September 15th, we're going to be there recording episode 100 live. Y'all come out and see us. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, and we're out.